0: Welcome to the Lead Two Twenty Two podcast, created to help student ministry leaders stay healthy and become more effective in life and leadership. And now, here are your hosts, Bo O'Shears and Dave Hootke.
1: Welcome to the Lead Two Twenty Two podcast. My name is Dave Hootke. We are so glad that you are here today. And uh, really excited about uh, our conversation um, around mental health in your youth ministry, and specifically talking about training and helping our small group leaders. And uh, I'm really excited to have my friend, Dr. Dave Olges, with us today. Dave Olgies is a professor of counselor and education. Uh, For more than a decade, he's taught counseling skills, research methods, counseling theories, and couples and family counseling to graduate and doctoral students. Previous to his move to academia, David has also been a pastor in the areas of community groups, pastoral care, college and careers, and youth. David and his wife, Sherry, live in Indianapolis with their youngest child, a high schooler, The older two children have moved off to college. And uh, according to him, simply just don't call enough for his liking. Dave, welcome to the podcast. How's it going, my friend?
0: Oh, it's going well, Dave. That's absolutely true. They're very ungrateful. It's really bad. (laughs) It's really bad.
1: (laughs) Dave, for everybody listening, you know, we've got quite the bio there. And, uh, but what else should we know about you?
0: Oh, gosh, Dave, I'm not sure. Um, I've, I, I come from a, a big family of Christians, lots of pastors or, or church leaders over the years. So I, I think I've seen just about everything that can happen, happen in a church. Uh, and so a lot of what really drove me towards mental health was I kept seeing in the Bible, all these one another verses, love love one another, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens. And Um, and put that together with, uh, the first and second greatest commandment, love God and love others as yourself. And I'm like, I really think there's something to, what is it? What does it mean to love somebody really well? Um, even, even when it's not going well, and what does that look like? And that kicked off a a lifetime of exploring relationships and what does healthy mean? And so I, I, I find myself here in the clinical world and the academic world, uh, Working in mental health, but it feels so connected to my faith. I just, I just, it almost feels like it didn't leave.
1: Hmm. Man, that's, yeah, that is awesome. You know, Dave, I, I'm so grateful you you know taking time to share with us. And uh, we first met; I was a student uh, director at uh, Northview Church and um, overseeing the student ministry there, working specifically with high school. And I just I just remember, like, man, dealing with a lot of stuff with students sharing and and our small group leaders, you know, trying to figure that out. And uh, so we met. And we talked through a lot of stuff and um, I then started bringing you into our small group training and uh, and, and it was just so yeah. valuable. And so that's why I really wanted to have you on today as well to, you know, to help our student ministries and specifically our small groups. Uh, and so we're going to have a conversation about mental health and our youth ministries and, and really how to help train our small group leaders who are in the trenches leading a group of students and uh, small groups are a place, you know, Dave, where we are fostering, providing a safe environment, authentic community, building trust. And when that takes place, right, students are going to open up and they're going to share about what's going on in their life. And it gets real and honest, real fast. However, at times, small group leaders um, may not be prepared or equipped to handle some of the emotional issues and mental health concerns that students share one-on-one with them or in a group setting. So, Dave, that's why we're here with you. And uh, look forward to this. So we're gonna jump into it. And I think a good place to start is what are the common mental health issues teens are struggling with today?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Dave, let me let me just rewind for a second. Uh, When you say, you know, sometimes we get into those small groups and and we try to foster a safe environment, an encouraging environment, uh, then then we start to actually hear some of the bigger things that come out. Uh, They can be like a conversational hand grenade at times for the small group. And uh, how do we respond to that? What do we do? Let me just start by saying it's a huge compliment to the work you've done as ministry leaders, if a kid actually opens up and says, here's what's really going on. so true, And you don't have to know what to do with it yet, but just know that means you've created an environment that says you're welcome here, you're safe here, you can take off your mask here. And I think that sounds a whole lot like Jesus. So all the stuff that we're working on, don't forget the home run you've already hit when that statement comes out in a group. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so yes, me. What are some of those? What are some of those issues that kids are facing today? So it's interesting. There's been a big shift now, Dave. I'm a little older than you, um, and uh, so I won't, throw you, I, won't, I won't throw you in the pile with me. Um, <laughs> Thanks, but um, but the common issue historically, the common issues among teens are things like smoking and alcohol, marijuana use, sexual activity. These are the things that we typically see as as uh, we call them negative coping strategies. Uh, to handle difficult situations in your life. You know, I'm going to run over to this thing rather than deal with the real issue. So negative coping strategy. Um, What's interesting is, uh, and I'm not going to bore you with all the study details, but recently published is smoking is down. Uh, Smoking was up around 9% about 20 years ago. It's down to 3% now among teens. Um, 20 years ago, alcohol use was at 52%. Uh, it's down to 43. Still a big number, but under half um, for the first time in forever. And it's the, it's the first time in forever that that number has actually gone down among mm, teenagers. Wow. Um, also, marijuana use was not terribly high. It was about 5%. It's down to like 35 to 4% now. Um, so marijuana use isn't a big push. And sexual activity has gone from about 3% down to uh, less than 1%. So The old things that might be floating in our heads from our experience, right, when we were in youth group uh, as teenagers, those aren't the issues they're dealing with today. Those aren't the coping strategies that they tend to go to. Um, So let's pivot for a second. We know what it's not. So what is it, right? Um, Currently, the estimate is 49.5% of teenagers are dealing with a mental health concern. 49. So that's almost 50%, yeah. right? It's almost every other kid. Um, and the things that are most common that they're dealing with anxiety. And We're going to talk about anxiety briefly here in just a second, because it's a different kind of anxiety than your mom and dad. Have. Um, and it, it, it just means something different to this generation. Uh, insomnia, they're not sleeping well. Depression. That one seems to be familiar. Um, And then uh, conduct issues and self-harm. Those are the issues that they're dealing with. So the big ones really predominantly are anxiety, insomnia, and depression. Those are their big three. And I mentioned that I wanted to just touch base real quick on um, anxiety, because like I said, it's different Um, for kids who have grown up in the digital world. um, I don't know if you have this experience, Dave, but I do my kids will text me something and I'll pick up the phone and just call them. And and, and they absolutely panic. My (laughs) daughter told me one time, she said, let me just be clear. That is absolutely the last response I wanted from
1: you. (laughs) (laughs) Just text me, dad.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's all she wants. Right. And I was working at a university not long ago and I was counseling some, some students there. And, um, I had a student who came in and was talking about anxiety and saying, can you give me medication? And I said, well, let's find out what's going on here. And then they wanted an, an emotional support animal uh, to take to the classroom. And I'm like, again, it's not what I do. I said, but tell me what, what are you stressed about? And what it came down to was it was they had to go and do a job interview for an internship. And they didn't know how to handle that kind of stress, that kind of face-to-face time, that kind of uh, sitting in front of someone who might have authority in their life in some way. Wow. Uh, a and lot so of what they anxiety. wanted to do
1: is just get away from it. Yeah. What's that? Social. So we're talking about a lot of social anxiety.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. So social skills are the things that kids will will feel a lot of anxiety about. Anything that puts them in a position where they've got to interact with other people in real life wow. um, can, can be a really big cause of their anxiety for their generation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the other, one, the other one that's really important, too, is, is just emotion management. They don't know how to respond um, to a difficulty in a relationship. So they'll just avoid it. Uh, they'll ghost somebody on a text. Um, they'll, they'll drop off a team. Um, they'll find a way to not have to have the interaction because they don't know how to have the interaction Ooh. when there's difficulty or tension in a relationship. Okay. Um, and so that's the anxiety. When when kids say I have a lot of anxiety, that's what they typically mean. Um, so that's, that's yeah. the place to start, I think.
1: No, that's really, really good, Dave. Um, so as we, you know, move this to, you know, really helping small group leaders, you know, especially youth pastors that need to, you know, train and equip their small group leaders, you know, so let's you know, give a scenario where uh, in a small group setting, a student shares, you know, I'm depressed or I'm dealing with anxiety. Uh, maybe it's a situation where they share, hey, my parents got divorced and I don't know what to do with my anger, yeah. right? Some, some type of emotional issue that might be, um, you know, bigger than the small group leader knows what to do with. So how can we help the small group leaders be prepared and equipped, to love and shepherd, not only the student, but also, you know, the group as well, because there's like what you said earlier, there's a lot of, you know, big emotional kind of grenades that a student might just drop in a group setting. And then it's like, what do we, you know, what do we do? Like, what are the next steps? How do we handle that?
0: Right, right. It's, it's not like we can go on with what we had planned. Right. Uh, when those get thrown in, it's like, well, let's get back to Jesus feeding the people now, and to pretend yeah. like it didn't happen. We can't really do that. Wow. So how do we handle those things? And, and they're going to happen. They're going to happen in groups and we want them to happen. So how do we respond? The first thing I typically do is I try to be a right finder. I, I, I'm stealing that language from you, Dave, because I like it so much. Um, catch them doing something right. A kiddo just shared something or a teen just shared something that's a big deal. And they were vulnerable and they're scared to death about being vulnerable because that's a social skill. Um, but they finally lay it out for you. Catch them doing something right. Um, this took a lot of courage. Thank you so much for sharing it. Um, that's the first thing to do. Catch them doing something right. Number two, I, I think of this one as, as, I think of it as pie, right? P-I-E. Um, and this one helps me. Uh, it's proximity, immediacy, and expectancy. Now, in this scenario, I'm picturing we're sitting in a small group and a kiddo's just shared something pretty big. It's going to take the whole group off topic. So I need to respond to this. And it's it's a legit concern. So um, proximity is I'm going to go get close to the kid and sit next to him. And I'm going to make eye contact with him. that's proximity. I'm going to stop what I'm doing and focus on them for a minute. Then immediacy is I'm going to tell them what's happening right now. And, I'll, and, and maybe it's, it's something as simple as, as Jonathan, you know, you've just shared a lot. Thank you so much for trusting us with this part of your story. Thank you. Uh, there's a lot of emotions that are going on here. There's a lot of important things that you've said that I really wanna follow up with. Um, that's immediacy, okay? This is what's going on right now in you, kiddo. And then the E in Pi is expectancy. It's what's gonna happen next. So once I've gotten close to him, once I'm making eye contact, then when I say, Thank you for trusting me with this. And there's a lot of emotions going on. You're seeing a lot of important things and I want to hear you well on this. Then we shift to expectancy. What's going to happen right now is I'm going to have you go with this other volunteer for a minute and and just spend some time with them, get something to drink, maybe cool off a little bit and I'll come over after the group meeting, okay? Or you're welcome to come back. But let's talk about this after the group meeting. Um, And so that kind of handles the situation. You can get back to the larger group of kids.
1: Mm No, that's really good. That's really good. So, Dave, you know, let's say a student shares something, you know, about harming themselves, about physical abuse in their home. You know, what should we do to help train our leaders, you know, in, in that type of situation that's, you know, maybe even goes to another level?
0: Yeah, Dave, that's that's that definitely goes to another level, because whether it's true or not, we don't know. We weren't there. Uh, but we've got to handle it as if it is true, right? Um, so when when something comes up about abuse or, or harm, and you know we've got questions of do we get parents involved or what if the parents are part of the problem? These are all questions that are good questions, normal questions, human questions to have. What's interesting is um, in, in America, in every state, there's a law that says if you're an adult and you hear about any kind of abuse or neglect or abandonment, you're a mandatory reporter. Now, most people don't know that, and that's okay. But the truth of it is, the idea is, uh, we want to take care of the kids. We want to take care of the kids, right? So, setting up a system at the church where when a kid discloses that they're being harmed in some way, um, the volunteers know where to go with that information. Uh, The leader of the student ministry knows where to go, uh, and which uh, staff members to talk to. And then that staff member knows what to do. Um, so putting in place a system of care, that's a support should ever, should those things ever come up?
1: Yeah, no, that's really good. Um, you know, I, I, I would love to get your thoughts too. You know, when do we need to include the parents into this? Oh yeah.
0: No, Dave, that's really good. So what I usually tell kids, um, is when they, if they want to share something with me, I'll tell them, you know what? Um, I can't always promise that I can keep a secret because my first priority is to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. Um, most kids will keep talking with that because they, they want help. They want to, they want somebody just to hear them out. Um, if parents need to get involved, um, I would say in any case of self-harm, any case that they're talking about, um, being hurt, being bullied, any of those things, mom and dad, mom, moms and dads generally want a heads up on that kind of thing. Um, I would, um, I would want to know. So we don't want mom and dad to be in the dark because they can be the best resource to help. Um, so we want to do that well. However, when a kiddo tells us, um, and I'm talking specifically as paid staff, uh, because we represent uh, a legal entity of a church. Um, we need to report those. Uh, and and CPS, that's what it's called here in Indiana's Child Protective Services. Um, it varies a little bit state to state. You can just make a phone call and say, hey, situation X just happened and a kid told me this. Is this something I need to report? Yeah, And they'll tell you. Yeah, um, They'll tell you if you need to report it or not. And if they're going to do anything about it, they'll do it within 24 hours. Mm. And what they usually do if they do decide to move forward and look into it is they'll make a phone call. Yeah. They'll, they'll make a phone call to whoever's involved in that scenario that gets described. And if they don't do anything in 24 hours, they're not going to do anything. with it. But they're not going to call you back and tell you that either. So yeah. um, but just know that they're not going to do anything with it.
1: Yeah. No, that's really good. You know, we, you and I had, had worked on this, you know, um, with our you know plan of action in, in our church and, and even with our leaders. Mm-hmm. You know, I think um, you know, a little bit of it in triage in the beginning is job one is finding out how great the risk is, so you can determine the best course of action. And so you, with that, you got to get the facts. You know, that means asking yep. facts, um, seeking to understand each person's perception about the facts, um, and that just you got to take time to listen to their stories. You know, sometimes I think we just want to react really fast. Yeah. Um, and but, you know, to jump to conclusions can be unfair. It can be even um, maybe not the, the the best course of action, too. So we've got to really take time to listen. I think here's some questions that that we could ask that, you know, could be really helpful um, in this situation. And a few of them are, you know, tell me uh, what you'd like to talk about. Another question is tell me where your story begins. Who else is involved in this story? How are they involved? How have you managed to cope until now? Who is supporting you through this? If you were friends, would you be worried about you? I think that's a that's a great question. Yeah, those are
0: great questions.
1: Have you considered hurting yourself or someone else? Are you under the care of a doctor or counselor? When was your last visit? Uh, Are you on medication? Are you self-medicating? Talk more about that. So Dave, those are just some really helpful questions that can can just get the ball rolling and really understand the situation, right?
0: Oh, it's so good. I mean, a lot of those questions um, are open-ended questions, right? I'm not asking the kiddo, you know, did dad do it? Did mom do it? Those are yes, no answers that they're going to give. You're saying, who else is involved in this with you? then the kid can name anybody. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, so open-ended questions are great. Open-ended questions are are questions that begin with question words. You know, there's the who, what, when, where, how questions, why I tend to try to stay away from why, because when I ask a kid why something happened, they usually go, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, So I just (laughs) kind of stay away from why. Um, but uh, but the other ones could be really good. So those questions, I think, would be, yeah, they'd be
1: fantastic. Yeah, no, that's really good. You know, Dave, you talked about, you know, kind of a structure plan of action. But, you know, just to make sure that we're understanding that, you know, our church leadership, uh, adult leaders, you know, we need to have a plan of action for reporting. You yeah. know, any just final thoughts on that? You know, for some that are listening, they're like, yeah, we've got this. Um, but my question is, you know, you might know this, do your leaders know this? Yeah. Um, so just any final thoughts on, on that?
0: Absolutely. I mean, having a structure in place is important. Number one, it's important for whoever your student ministry leader is. They need to know who do I go to when something big happens in my ministry team? Um, who do I go to? Who is who is the person where I can walk in their office or I can call them at a weird hour and say, I think I need some help here. Um, or even if you handle it really well and you just need to debrief what you just went through, uh, that's that's good self-care um, and gets you ready for handling the next thing. So um, number one, have a point person on the leadership team uh, that you can connect with on big issues with teenagers. Um, that's That's job one. Let's take care of you. Job two then is prepping our volunteers or other staff who are on our team. You know, what do they do? What is, what's the flowchart? A kiddo says X, what do we do next? You know, we can have the words to know how to respond in the moment, like we've talked about some today, but then what's the next step? And the next step generally is to take the matter from, uh, uh, from a volunteer and get it into the hands of a staff member. Um, because they'll know the resources of the church better than a volunteer will. Now, some volunteers are gonna stay involved. That's great, there's, there's no problem with that. Um, but the staff can then say, okay, we need to call Child Protective Services and ask, do we need to report something? Uh, we need to call mom and dad and say, hey, we're really sorry we needed to call CPS um, because we're mandatory reporters, but here's what's going on and we wanna look into it with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had to do that a few times over the past couple of years at the church that we attend and the families have been nothing, but yes, absolutely. Keep our kids safe. Thank you for taking that step. Yeah. Um, so it's not typically as offensive as you might originally think it would be. Um, but it gets a ball rolling and it shows the church's commitment to the wellness of the kid. Um, so it ends up going over better than you would think. So take a deep yeah. breath. Um, parents, parents want their kids love well too. Um, And then the last thing I would say is have a regular time where you train and and talk to your uh, volunteers and even your paid staff about what are the issues? What are you seeing? um, How do we respond to it? What's going well? Where do we need to to do a little better? What responses are showing up in our group? um, And then teach them about mandatory reporting and teach them about whatever the care process is in your church. Um, And I'd say do it maybe once a year. And if people get really good at it, great, they can present it for you. They don't even have to, yeah. you don't have to go, but um, um, it, it keeps it fresh. It keeps the information up to date. And and again, it equips them. And I usually hand out PowerPoints or a short, short list of bullet points that we can give to the volunteers. And that way they don't have to try and memorize this stuff. They can stick it in their back pocket when they're leading a small group. And if it ever happens, they can just pull it out.
1: Yeah. That's, that's well said, Dave. Good advice. So as we wrap up uh, our episode today, any final words of encouragement to youth pastors listening as they navigate training leaders for this environment, you know, especially knowing, gosh, 50% of teens are dealing with a mental health concern.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, first of all, please know my heart is with you guys. I mean, the folks that are, that are listening to us, were are involved in student ministries and saying, what can I do to help kids grow and grow in their relationship with Christ? Um, I can think of one one youth pastor in particular in my in my high school years. He was spectacular. I, I would still do anything for that guy. And I'm 52 now. Um, you guys have a huge impact on these kids. And the credibility that you carry because you love them well um, is... I, I, it can't be overstated. It just cannot be overstated. So first, thank you. Um, thank you. And, and hooky, I'm going to embarrass you a little bit. Thank you for loving on my kids. Cause I know what my kids are like and I love them, but uh, <laughs> you, know, you know what they're like too. Um, that being said, what I'd tell you is there is no issue that is going to come up in a youth group where Jesus isn't already there. Mm-hmm. You are not alone. Um, if you know how to love on somebody and let them know that you care and that you're going to try and get them to the next best step, that's enough. Yeah. All these words, they don't have to be specific. It doesn't have to be perfect. Um, it's not about having a perfect plan. It's just about having a plan. Um, you guys can do this. And it's remarkable to me how Jesus shows up in these spaces. So, so thank you for jumping in on it and you're going to do a great job.
1: Wow, Dave, thank you so much for uh, those words and for, uh, you know, joining us on the podcast today and and just so grateful uh, that you took time to pour into us in the lead community. So thank you. You know, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, rate, review it, uh, share it with others. We'd love to get the word out. And if you don't have a coach or mentor, sign up, go to lead222.com and uh, don't do this alone. You know, we'd also love to hear from you. And uh, if you have any ideas of uh, future topics, uh, let us know. You can email us at dave at lead222.com. We'd love to hear uh, from you as well. Well, thanks for joining us. We're so grateful for you, lead community. Keep leading strong, and uh, we'll see you next time. Stay encouraged.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the lead222 podcast. Please consider joining our community of leaders. Together, we're committed to experiencing healthy lives, healthy families, and healthy ministries. Learn more at lead222.com.